Hello, everybody. Welcome back. And thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Talking Each Other Home. This is a podcast where we can come and talk openly and authentically about all things spirit stuff. It's my mission with this podcast to invite people on to share their stories, their trials, their tribulations, their lesson, and their wisdom so that it may be medicine for you and for me as we walk and talk each other home. And I am your host, Danny. Welcome back. Joining me today, I have Kat Rambo, medicine woman and teacher. In this podcast, just fed all of my curiosity and excitement for the spiritual and shamanic path. And so we start this podcast off with talking about the proper prep and integration surrounding plant medicine ceremonies. And so her being a medicine woman, she deals a lot with this. She watches people come in that don't prepare very well at all. And also people that prepare and do coaching with her and come in very held, already working through their stuff. And on the other side of plant medicine, come out transformed. And she's in fact, writing a book on this very subject right now. And so she has a lot of experience. She's very passionate about it. And I think it's really important for anybody who's even considering taking any kind of plant medicine journey, whether it be with mushrooms or marijuana or ayahuasca, really any kind of journey should be held with intention at the forefront and then integration at the end. So properly preparing and then integrating your experiences is of utmost importance. And I think it's something that's overlooked in the culture right now with people wanting to journey into plant medicine. So this is the part that will sandwich, make a beautiful experience, a beautiful transformational sandwich. So enjoy the beginning of this podcast because we dive deep into that. And she really gives some beautiful, you know, things that you can do to, to help curate that for yourself. Also, we talk about something that she's very passionate about, which is integrating ancient practices, ancient wisdom into the modern world, which is so prevalent, right? It's so, it's so prevalent in my own life right now, which is why I'm creating this thing called spirit school, but she talks about it. This is something that she's actually physically practicing and holding spaces and doing medicine ceremonies with bringing the ancient medicine into the modern world. And she even, this is actually cat wrapped up in a box if you want it. Cause she studied quantum physics and stuff like that in university. And she's also on the medicine path. So she really comes from both worlds and she studies NLP and dream work. So this, this episode was really fun for my spiritual ADD <laughs> because it's everything that I think about all day long. And she really helped inspire my path with discovering shamanism and discovering all these ancient, beautiful paths that we have, but bringing it into the modern world, which is exactly what I'm doing with spirit school. And so if you're interested in spirit school and you like what Kat has to say today and you enjoy her energy and her information, she is going to be a guest speaker on spirit school with us. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. Message me, check the show notes for the link to sign up. I am taking enrollments now and we, oh, it's 2.22 as I'm saying this. Yay. And so I'm taking enrollments now and we start class on February 19th, which is a new moon. And so this is going to be a really beautiful journey. And Kat is going to be joining us for a virtual sacred ceremony, talking about dream work and divination. And then also we'll be working with her maestra, who will be talking about shamanism in the modern and traditional ways. So 
We talk about lots. And at the very end of the podcast, we get into dream work and she gives us some practical things to start recording our dreams and to start tapping into our unconscious states. It's something that she teaches and is very passionate about as well. Um, and we close out this conversation with her own journey. Um, and how she got into all of these amazing things that she teaches. And I think it's really beautiful for us to listen because, you know, shamanism is not something that's outside of us. It's something that's within every single one of the, us. And it's a human tradition, not just a religious tradition or a regional tradition. It is it's who we are. And so I, I thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. And it's actually something that I'm teaching in my yoga classes right now is shamanism. Um, and just, you know, I'm not teaching it, you know, solely, but I dance around it and I play the different music and I'm telling everybody that this is something that is within them to harness. So anyway, you know, I could keep rambling, but instead listen to Cat Rambo <laughs> in our podcast. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I will see you on the next one. And if you're interested in spirit school, make sure you click the link below and sign up because we have only about two weeks left um, of enrollments. All right. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Boom. Here we go. Cat, welcome to the show, talking each other home. I'm so excited to have you with me today. Thank you for having me. I love you and I love what you're doing and I love your podcast and your work and your mission. And I'm so grateful to be able to share in that. Oh, thank you. And and I'm so excited too, because you're going to come onto my course. You and Anita both are going to come and share your wisdom and your knowledge and all the depth of everything you've learned and felt um, and come share that with my tribe. And I'm so excited for, I'm calling it spirit school, you, me and the universe. I love spirit school. So I'm just, it feels like a seed that I'm planting that's going to grow for the next years. This is something I want to be doing and leading. So I'm really grateful that you're going to be joining us and sharing a little bit of your wisdom with us today on the podcast and hopefully getting people excited for what they can expect in the course. Absolutely. I love that what you're doing is bringing together different disciplines and different traditions and different ideas and sharing all of that in an attempt to really connect with self differently. That's, that's the coolest part to me. I love that. So I'm happy to be able to contribute to it. What a beautiful way to put it. That's exact. It's all about self, right? So spirituality. And I guess let's, I, let's first start with a little introduction about like, who are you and what do you do? And I guess like all, and I know there's so many, it's like hard to even put a title to it. Right. But I guess just a little brief thing on like on you. Oh, hello. <laughs> well, it is hard to put a title. I use the title medicine woman because it's sort of a catch-all because I do work with medicines and that would be uh, sacred medicines, witch doctor, not a doctor, right? Medical doctor. <laughs> um, I work with sacred medicines. Uh, we have a healing center in Mexico. Um, we also do whatever it is that is um, in the U.S. or we travel a lot, which is wonderful. I love it. I work with a maestra, uh, which is a master teacher of shamanic, um, shamanic work. So that's really wonderful. But beyond that, I feel like, yes, medicines have risen in popularity. But I think over the years that I've been on this line of work, I've realized that there's so much more to growth and to knowing the self than substances, you know, and, and not to demean the value of the medicines, obviously I work in them. I love them. <laughs> it's been magnificent for my life and for others. And, um, but there's, if the effort is to know oneself, there's so many ways to get there. It's part of the reason I love what you're doing. Um, so I use other methods that include modern transformation tools like NLP and regression hypnosis. I love dream work. I'm really passionate about that because it's a readily available tool. And yes, for those of you who believe you do not dream and you do, I promise you just don't remember them. <laughs> but these are skills. I, I think that there's a misconception about um, spiritual 
aptitudes that these are gifts. And this is true that some people come into life holding a paintbrush in one hand, but we can all learn to paint. You know, we all have access to these aptitudes, to these experiences. And my goal is to teach how to access this inner wisdom yourself, how to practice your psychic skills, how to learn to become a visionary a seer. And we all have that in us. So my great joy now is in the teaching of it. And the medicines are there for the experiential component, but it's not the only part. I do a lot of um, coaching and even my dream work where a lot of my clients and students will tell me they started having psychic openings. Well, that's the point. You should access all this amazing wisdom that you have in your own self. And, and so that's my main perspective now and whatever tool it takes to get there, whether it's you know human transformation and potential development or dreams and you know psychic steps, whatever it is you know that helps. I've learned a lot along the way and I just love giving away and sharing it. <laughs> Does that help? I don't know if it's a little round. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And I, and um, what you mentioned before, and I think it kind of goes into what, how, how to describe you, which is like bringing the ancient wisdom into the modern world. And I think being with the medicines and working with DreamWork and NLP is kind of a really cool way to marry the ancient and the modern. Um, right. And so I guess I want to talk a little bit about that with the medicine path and with the everything. So like, What's your favorite part about bringing the ancient path into the modern world? Because that is something that just fascinates me. <laughs> well, it would. You're all about, and your whole program is about pulling a little bit from a lot of traditions and finding what really works for you. And, and I love that exploration and that discovery. I think that's what drives me a lot too. I love being on the cusp of possibility, the cusp of knowledge. And we're in a unique position here in the modern Western world um, where we're starting to return to an interest in indigenous life ways and old world ways of um, thinking and looking at the world and religious rights and spiritual perspectives, for example, sacred medicine practices and tribal, you know, work, tribal patterns of living. So um, it's interesting because as this evolution is happening, two things can happen. One, we can reject one in favor of the other. Uh, only the modern Western way is the way this is old and backwards and outdated. Or uh, we have to return to the ways of the earth and everything about modern society is evil. I think that Buddha's middle way brings everything together so that we can really get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this is the new human global culture that the internet and these other technological advances have brought us so far um, about learning how to interconnect with each other differently. And new cultural questions are coming up about diversity and acceptance and you know, information and about, you know, emotional intelligence. And I think that there's a lot to be drawn from both perspectives. Ancient wisdom has a lot of innate knowledge for us and a lot of cool methodology. New technology is showing us how to get there faster and easier. And I'm a huge fan of hacking the mind to work for you, of leveraging your emotions to help you live a better life rather than feeling at the caprices of these impulses or whims or thinking patterns to, oh, my mind is always racing. Yes, but that's because you let it, you know? We we have an era now where we get to take responsibility for our own internal environment differently. And this is going to really influence our external world and what we become. And I think we have no excuse now. We have access to both modern tools and ancient wisdom. We have no excuse not to become our best selves to really access our highest potential and to open our minds about what we can do as a culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, mic drop. <laughs> like AF right now. <laughs> that was so good. And I, 
you know, so the last, in my yoga classes, I theme everything. So I have, this week has been shamanism and what I've been talking about. And I did a little research and like the oldest shaman um, was like found in Israel, like 15,000 years ago. And I was, and it said it's the old way and the new way because shamanism is starting to come back online. And I think people are starting to understand we have this tools and this innate wisdom within us. We just forgot. We just got so used to driving our cars and not going outside and not connecting and praying to the water and not honoring these beautiful elements and directions that we all have. Um, and so that's exactly what you said is kind of what I was talking about today. And it's actually been really fun to take even the modern medicine music and put it into a yoga class and kind of weave all of that. And afterwards people are like, I don't know what just happened, but I like it. <laughs> exactly. I love that you said that because shamanism is a human culture tradition, not a regional cultural tradition. We have a deep compulsion to be spiritually connected to our environment. Anyone who loves to go to the beach or likes to go camping already knows this. Anyone who feels a deep desire to just go out in nature and unplug and unwind knows this. And so it's not something that is specific to a culture or ethnicity or a tribe. It's a human heritage that I think it's time to really acknowledge. And I love what you said about praying to the water. Like, this is where we get to marry the old and the new. Okay, let's pray to the water to connect to an element. Has anyone seen uh, the photographs of Emoto's water experiments that water carries knowledge and information and, and memories and emotional content, right? So we have this modern tool to reflect an ancient concept and it helps us hack the system. Well, how do you pray to water? Well, you tell it something and you feel it. Like that's that simple. So we can take this idea that sometimes these ideas seem very buried in traditional elements that make things a little unaccessible. Like, Connecting to the elements. Well, which elements do I pray to? Well, in traditional shamanism, there's seven directions, not four. Well, what is that? And how do I do that? What's the right way? And I have a lot of clients who will say, um, well, I learned this tradition and I learned this way and this is the way. Well, this is again, limitation. So my perspective is to open all of that up. Okay, well, if you're praying to the, to the different directions, then the modern perspective is just like the chakra system. This is a map for your own self and where you're at in your journey. So if you have a hard time, like passing through the representation of what the North is supposed to mean, well, where is that in your life that you get to adjust in your own self? Like, well, the North is the hummingbird, but I have a hard time connecting with that. And I feel kind of stuck when I do my prayers. Okay. Well, the hummingbird's about joy. Are you bringing joy to your life? Like these, these systems can give us so much insight. But I think it's also so important. The traditions are really helpful because they carry that wisdom, but to not get stuck on the tradition in the same way that religion gets fixated on its own dogma rather than its original intention, which is to bring us to personal awareness of spirit. And that's got to be the, the ultimate goal. And that's, I think, the, the singular focus that unifies all of us. All traditions around the world, all religions, all culture have something in them saying, sources within you, you can find it, ask and you shall receive, right? So where where is that? How can we bring together the parts that are fun and joyful and inspiring rather than get stuck on the rigors, but still draw from the wisdom of the rigor? Like this is, as an aside, do you, do you want me to just keep going? Do you have a question? Oh, keep going, girl. This is like what I think about all day. You're just, yeah. <laughs> so I'm writing a book right now and um, it's about how to be safe and prepare properly for sacred medicine ceremonies. Um, because of the sharp rise, there's also a sharp rise in misinformation, a sharp rise in access and a sharp rise in hazards. So my goal is to bring modern knowledge together with the ancient wisdom. So one of the things I was talking about is how, how can we honor the traditional elements which support the process? How can we 
respect the traditional caveats that come from a thousand years of experimentation and also still understand where the modern perspective needs something a little different now. You know, the modern or the ancient way of seeing the world doesn't fit the modern mindset. So how are you going to change the modern mindset with a tradition and a tool that doesn't even make sense if there's no access for it? Like, for example, um, we barely know how to interpret our dreams. And yet we have this idea that we're going to enter into a deep visionary state and know exactly how to navigate that. Like, okay, how about a little preparation? How about a little conditioning and training? How about a little bit of interpreting that vision? Something that would have seemed obvious to these cultures from whence these traditions spring that didn't bear discussing because it's obvious, it's not obvious in our culture and we need to really think about that. So where are the traditional caveats that still help protect us in this journey? Do not tamper with this recipe, for example, versus um, where can we really evolve the process? Let's talk about interpreting these visions. Let's adjust maybe the way of the diet um, is in the protocol, because maybe, you know, there are some foods in our current diet that we're not in these indigenous cultures, like no jungle people are taking Prozac. So, you know, how can we interact with our modern conditions? You know, these people were not concerned about their cell phone bills and their water bills. You know, they had other concerns. So how do we, how do we bring together the best in the form of the caveats and also, you know, the excellence of these traditions and the modern perspective without getting stuck in the rigor or exploring beyond what is helpful or useful. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. And I think that's really important what you said. I, I want to go into like proper, even like preparation and integration at before and after plant medicine. And I think it's like so trendy right now for people that just want to try it because they've seen it, which, you know, I go back and forth between is maybe they're because they're awakening their consciousness, whether they are going and thinking that they're going to do spiritual work or not, but they're going to but it's still not respected in the way that I think it should be, but that's me shooting it. But either way, they're going to journey with a beautiful plant and they're going to come out of that a little bit more evolved and with the earth in them a little bit more deeper. But um, yeah, I, I guess- think the interest in medicines, you're right, shows that our culture, even if they're not exactly aware, is moving towards this more spiritual, spiritually conscious self-awareness. And that's awesome. A lot of people tell me, I don't know why I've just been really drawn to it. Well, you know, it's because you want a crazy trip. No, no, I just, I just, I don't know why. Okay, great. Then go for it. I think that we now need to emphasize the practices and the practitioners surrounding these disciplines because that's become more relevant than ever. Yes. So I guess let's talk about that. The practices, practitioners before and after. Um, and I like how you, you mentioned interpreting dreams with interpreting the visions that you see during ceremony. Um, so that's, I think that's really powerful. I've never even thought of that, but that's wonderful learning how to interpret your visions that don't happen when you're in your normal waking state, when you're kind of in an altered state. So I guess let's take us through pre intention, you know, all that stuff. And I know that you guys have done coaching with people, which I think is so powerful to go leading into ceremony. Like what a way to drop in and feel so held and trusted and knowing where you are and what work you're going to do. I think that's wonderful. So before I keep rambling, go ahead. <laughs> no, because you're right. I love it. That's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the entire crux of my book. It's called Prep and Safety, <laughs> which sounds like a user manual because it is, you know, and maybe I'm a little bit academic, but, you know, I also, 
I also understand the value of education and not necessarily like the formal education system. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about educating yourself, being knowledgeable, being confident. When people first get into this environment, it's very confusing. It's overwhelming. Go to an online forum, ask a question and get 500 different answers from different people who are in varying degrees of knowledge about the subject because there just isn't a whole lot of clear, concise, and supported information out there so that's that's why I'm writing because I really feel like we need that. And yes, you're right. That I've heard people call it pre-integration. <laughs> um, I just call it prep because I find that there are several reasons for this. One, to ensure that you know what you want. You know, if you go into an experience not really knowing what you want, that lack of clarity creates a confusing experience. So I think that clarity and focus and purpose are really meaningful. And that doesn't mean someone has to go in knowing exactly what they want. They can just be open to an amazing experience and the guidance provided by these these, uh, ex these types of plant medicines and experiences. However, um, you know, what you put in is what you get out. So I've, I have noticed a significantly higher rate of success and more importantly, honestly, a significantly higher or more contributory maybe uh, rate of really positive experiences during ceremony. So our work has evolved a lot. It used to be exactly what it was in the traditional setting and as it evolved into the modern Western sphere, which is you sign up, you do your diet and you go into ceremony with whatever you come with. But my perspective now, and, and this is also a little bit different because I work with a lot of healers. We do healer and teacher training, right? We teach in our ceremony. So it's not just, yes, we also take people who want to evolve in their life, but mostly we work with healers and teachers. So we're doing the teaching. We're working on how to be better in your craft, you know, how to do better energy work, using that altered state and these insights in order to accelerate your own practice and your own personhood in their practice. So my perspective is a little bit different, granted. But my goal is to help someone deal with their shit before going into ceremony. So their mindset and their perspective is already moving towards the life they really want to live and the person they want to become, and then bringing the medicines up under that transformation experience. So what we do is no longer plant medicine. What we do, or critter medicine, I refer folks to, um, what we do is transformation, right? Transformation and excellence and human potential. And I think that's a different perspective, and that's why we do things a little bit differently. There's nothing wrong with feeling like you want to go into plant medicine and going into plant medicine. If that's what you want to do, then go for it. There's no judgment in that. I know that in my work, we do things differently, right? But again, you know, whom we work with and the purpose of that is usually a little bit different. So my work will justify that. I think that for example, someone calls me, I had a client not that long ago who called me and said, I'm having a really hard time dealing with, you know, my motivation issues, with this breakup, with conflicts in my family, and with this like problem with how I'm always doing for everyone else and not, you know, classic guilt stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so she says, I have all these six intentions. And I said, no, you have one intention. Your one intention is to relieve yourself of guilt. Now let's focus on what you do want in that. Let's do mantras. Let's do daily exercises. Let's do, and all of my practices and stuff are really supposed to be simple in your life. I don't give these four hour long whatevers. This is valuable. Yes. However, for most people, they're not going to do it. It's not accessible. So I try to keep it real simple. Like do this every time you go to the bathroom, you know, you're going to the bathroom anyway, do it there. Right. You know, <laughs> I would try to keep it like light and in your life, you know, make it part of your life way to grow. And and with all of these little changes, and then as someone is evolving, making their realizations, making their adjustments to their own way of thinking, shifting their behavior and emotional and mental habits, then plant medicine comes under that. 
And the shift is dramatic because they're already focused on what they want, not on what they're moving away from. So instead of focusing on the problem, they're so fixated on their solution and their possibility and they're seeing the change and they're loving the hope and they feel the faith and all of it. And then the medicine comes up underneath that existential experience that's just phenomenal. And then the integration process is built around how that experience can then create more amazing change and realization in that department. So it's very focused. My clients will come in and say, I want to deal with these guilt issues. And then by the time they're going to ceremony, they're, they have like special psychic skills they're working on and like learning how to channel. And then they go in with that. You know, it's a completely different way of doing things. So I don't know. Again, this is my perspective. There's no judgment. And however it needs to be done is how it needs to be done. And wherever you're drawn is where you're drawn. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about what makes someone a good practitioner. I think that there's a lot of misinformation about out there about what makes a safe protocol. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about when someone should or should not do plant medicines or engage in ceremony. And so that's that's what the book is for. And it's actually the prep process. The book follows the process that I take my clients through their journey, a transformation from, my God, I want to do this to like, what do I need to know? How do I find a practitioner? What's about protocol? Like what's really true? And this guy told me that this thing was his experience, but he's not a professional, you know? So why are you taking his advice? And, you know, to be able to muck through all these different advices and it's all very well-meaning, but it's just not all very good. <laughs> and it's hard to make that judgment, especially when we're first getting into something new. We don't know what we don't know. And so I, that's why I want to give this from the perspective of a practitioner, of someone who has seen so many different stories and has seen firsthand what works, what doesn't, what's safe and comfortable, what's effective. And in our process of modernizing and bringing these ancient traditions into the modern sphere, what does the modern mind need in order to really thrive with this experience? And how can we then interpret that? I can't tell you how many times someone will have, and there are similar experiences people get, like everyone's experience and visions and everything is unique um, to their story and their experience, but there are categories of experiences, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it is so common, certain types of visions, which can be interpreted in a way that becomes then not healthy, you know, and not effective and detrimental and not just to themselves, but to people around them. Being able to turn that into something really helpful, supportive and useful and beautiful is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> so I take that element very seriously, but you know, I'm very focused on the human transformation, human potential, not just medicine, medicine, medicine. You know, I don't believe that more medicine is better. I believe that better better experience is better. Better self-awareness is better. You know, does that make sense? <laughs> yes. A thousand percent. And I'm so happy that what I kept thinking about what, when you were talking was so like the only thing I can really relate it to is yoga. So everybody goes through yoga teacher sure. training. And then when yeah. you're, after you've done it enough, you kind of come up with your own flow and your own thing Absolutely. and your own music. And that's what it reminds me of. It's like, okay, you've been given this tradition in this path and you've done it so many times that you're like this, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. And you've kind of crafted your own art with it. Right. Um, and I Absolutely. love, it feels very resonant and it feels very like, um, in alignment with you. And I love, I love what you've crafted for people and it's very well-meaning and it's very full of love and really wanting to help people. Not just like, Hey, I'm going to blast you into hyperspace after you drink this cup and then see ya better luck next time. Or like, but it's very much like, Whoa, Whoa, how are you coming in? How are you? Cause I think people have this, this view of plant medicine that they're just going to get blasted into hyperspace and they're kind of scared to do it. Or they're like looking for that, but 
it, it is that, but it also doesn't have to be that. I think that that can be maybe a little bit of a toxic way to do it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm happy that and a lot of practitioners, okay. and you're right. It is toxic. And there are a lot of practitioners whose solution is more medicine. And that's actually dangerous because again, we don't really know how to handle those types of experiences. So our process is more gentle, but it is also very strong and do not confuse, you know, the fact that gentle and strong can go together. And I think that's super meaningful because how, how can you recreate those transcendental moments? How can you recreate those altered states in your life? If you had to be strung out to do it, then there's no way to really access that again. My goal is for you to learn how to access that state yourself at any time. It is human potential and possibility to do so. It's within our realm of access. We've learned along the way that that's not for us, that's for other people. But the truth is it's for everyone. It's in there. DMT is in your body already. Learn how to turn it on and have an incredible experience. Insight, psychic knowledge, whatever, channeling. All this is available for everyone. And I, I want that to be part of the experience, to come out knowing that you can do these things and you don't need medicine to do it. You need focus and that's all. Well, now I, I want to just be in all of your workshops and everything you're teaching. <laughs> Something that is coming online for me now is like, I would love to learn the shamanic path, you know, of connecting to the directions and the elements and developing my own, you know, visionary powers, if that's what's, you know, my calling, but to sort of step into that realm, the more subtle realms and play in that space more than just in the material. And, you know, I came from a bodybuilding background, so it's very much going from like the physical I've worked through the mental, you know, did that whole thing, but now I'm really ready for spirit. I'm really hungry for that next level and the subtle things that you can't see. And I'm feeling it start to make sense to me and think like we were saying earlier, we're all shamans. Like, oh yeah, I thought it was just for the cultures in South America, but I'm learning that it's actually from everywhere. We're all, so that's something that's really exciting for me to, so to know that you teach people that and you teach people how to ignite that within them feels, gives me goose. I'm like getting chills as you're talking. Well, there's, I'm there's, like, I love yeah. that you're saying that. Cause I, I think that there's a lot of interest in learning shamanism and what shamanism means has changed dramatically, even in just the last few years. So traditionally, a shaman is a priest, right? This is the, the region's healer, this community's healer, who the job of the shaman, with medicines or not, by the way, medicine isn't shamanism. Medicine is one of the tools that shamans around the world have used. Because what a shaman is supposed to do all around the world is enter into an altered state, a trance state, move in and out of different dimensions, whether this is the spirit world and this world, the land of the Fae and this land, or the in-between space between life and death, or the multitude of infinite dimensions, depending on the culture, the, the world of the star people and the land of you know the earth beings, whatever. It's, it's always something else that's beyond, that's parallel, but beyond our perception. Um, it's coexistent, but sort of not in normal access. And there are little images of it everywhere. Like, oh, well, you can't see the land of the Fae, but maybe you see a fairy circle and you remember their existence. You know, you don't, you know, you don't talk to the plant realms normally, but when you receive their medicine, you feel their healing and like that's there. So, you know, there's, there's ways that we have these little, little breakthrough moments. So shamanism is really about purposefully traveling among these realms in order to make changes in the energy in another dimension or bring back information, knowledge, healing, energy, something else into this dimension. Now, what I have realized is that recently shamanism as a word, as a concept and a shaman now is a label used to define anyone into earth magic tradition, 
right? That may or may not have an indigenous, an indigenous root or an indigenous flair, right? So for me, this is cool because I think that everyone should have access to their human heritage, but also it lends to a lot of confusion because then what do you call the priests of those traditions? If if a shaman now means anyone who works or is into that environment and spirit, anyone who's in earth magic, then then who, what do you call the priests now? Like, who do you call the like master teachers and healers? So I'm I'm not really sure how that's going to unfold. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. You can learn shamanism online now. Well, all that you're learning is the perspective of accessing greater knowledge than we feel is available to our five senses. Well, sure, but we do this all the time anyway. So doing it intentionally is what's amazing. And learning how to do it following a specific tradition's methodology is really cool. Um, you know, medicine songs are designed to induce trance. You know, medicine music is very repetitive. Journey, drum is boring. Why? Is it like, because it's supposed to get you into a trance state, knock you out of your sense of consciousness into another consciousness, right? So we all do this anyway. We're all entering a trance state anyway. Every time you drive your car and you're like, oh my God, how'd I get here? I don't know how I made it. My car must have known the way, right? You're entering into a trance state. Like to be able to do that intentionally with a specific purpose, with a designed outcome, this is what shamanism really can, can bring to our lives to be called a shaman because you're in earth magic traditions and trance states. Okay. I think we should all learn this. I think it's great. You know, also I'm, I'm not really sure what's going to happen to the way, and I'm, I'm not into hierarchy, but you know, what, what do you call the priests now if everyone's a shaman? So like, I'm not, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen with that. It's interesting to see how this is evolving. This is all very new. I found this out just a couple of years ago. I'm like, why, why do you call yourself a shaman? Like what makes you a shaman? And they tell me because, you know, I've learned these traditions. Like, okay, but that's not what I thought. But now things are changing. It doesn't matter what I think, you know, that it matters what, what our culture is now absorbing. And I think it's great. It's just a matter of, you know, what do you want to do with it, I think. And people think that to learn shamanism, it means you need to be a healer. And that's not true. You know, you can absorb the cultural perspectives in your life. I had a friend who, um, a client that was, an, and I love this story, she was involved in commercial real estate. And she had a tremendous experience. She learned her sense of spirit. And she's like, I don't know how to be. I don't know what to do now. Very common, by the way. This is what integration is for. Um, and she said, I just feel this like calling to connect with the earth and to be the spirit and all this. I'm like, great. God, no. Commercial real estate can use a little more of that. Like, go do your thing, girl. And she came back and was telling me something about like one of the Northeast's largest disenfranchised youth centers that she got to break ground on because like she brought that sense of spirit and giving and loving and connection into her work, which created new connections, new inspiration and new projects that really make a difference. So it's not about then dropping everything to become a healer. It's about healing your own life and living your life through your inspirations in the modern world through that perspective. And I think that that's something that is available to us all. And now you should access. There's no excuse not to. You can literally learn it all. I have clients that call me and do private coaching with me. And I have clients that do my classes. And I have clients that do other classes and they come to a ceremony, you know, whatever, whatever it is that works for you. But it's always good to explore new perspectives. That's like what you're doing in your masterclass, your program. It's about exploring new perspectives. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. 
Thank you. And I like what you said about the title of shaman too, because when I was reading a while ago and I heard that like the community kind of gives you that title, it's not even something that you call yourself really. It's something that happens. And then you are this sort of like the priest or something like that. Um, so I like, I like that distinction that you made because you can learn shamanism without needing to be called or change your whole life over to being a shaman. In fact, I responsibility, a lot of people are attracted to like the trendiness of it, the coolness yeah. of it. You know, they feel like, well, I'm a shaman, therefore I don't have to subscribe to society's conditions. That's actually the other way around. The title of this type of leader, because a shaman is supposed to be a community leader, is a huge responsibility. Your job is to interpret people's dreams and sometimes the community's dreams to decide what we're going to do next as a culture, as a family, as a community, to be responsible for ensuring the health and safety of your environment, to be, you know, and if you can't heal the people like that's a problem you know you are not good <laughs> you know next you know what I mean <laughs> and it's generally considered a very big responsibility and I think there's been this like glamorizing of it and again to glamorize the learning of it I think is great right to glamorize the role that someone plays as a medicine worker for example is is kind of contributing to a lot of unethical and bad practice because that's supposed to be a leadership role and it's supposed to be a lot of responsibility and it's not that glamorous guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've been taking shit on so much <laughs> and that's my job. I listen to people's horror stories and it's my job to guide them through it. And you have to really know what you're doing not to cause more damage. And it's a huge responsibility. And I feel like, again, to glamorize the learning of these things, great. I highly encourage everyone to do it. To to glamorize and the role of, of what the priest is supposed to be is, uh, is dangerous actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we're having this little conversation about respect because yeah. I think it's huge. I think it's huge for people to listen and to just have that perspective. Like it's okay to learn about it, but if you're trying to talk about leading somebody in this way, then I think it can be dangerous if you're not taking it seriously. And even just like taking the medicine seriously, you know, taking these ancient things need to be respected. And there's been times. So for me, mushrooms have been a big part of my journey. Um, and I've done them enough to know when I'm respecting them. And when I'm not, when I'm not respecting them, I get my ass kicked and right. I've gotten that a, enough times to know, well, now I fast. Now I pray. Now I write a letter to the mushrooms. Like I am like, I don't do it out of that because I respect the plant now. And awesome. it's taught me so much respect about every, about every plant really. But that was my, that was my first big teacher. And reverence doesn't suck the joy out of it. Reverence can actually bring a lot of rapture and bliss. It's called spiritual ecstasy. Like have a good time. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean do it like, like you said, with a lack of respect, I love that you said that because you're right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, what else we got? So, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> what else can we talk about? Well, I guess dreams, let's go into dreams. Mm -hmm. This is something that's new for me. And what I've noticed is I haven't smoked as much cannabis in the last couple of years. And now I dream way more. And I think people think that when you smoke cannabis, it puts you into a deeper sleep, but I don't, I don't know that I believe that totally. Cause now I'm dreaming and I feel like I sleep much better. And if I smoke one night, I don't remember my dreams. So, so what cannabis you know? can actually dull 
and stupefy all kinds of visionary states, including with medicines. So we restrict and we recommend restricting cannabis before any other visionary medicines, not because there's even direct contraindication physiologically, but because it does reduce the visionary state. There are substances you can add in to increase dreaming. Uh, I highly recommend dreaming as much as possible. Yes, you dream, unless you have a traumatic brain injury or some other like issue that is serious, you are dreaming probably many times a night. Uh, we just don't really remember them. But this is a culture thing too. Like we're told, that's just a dream. Don't worry about that. Or, oh, it's just a nightmare. Don't think about it. You know, or stop dreaming. Don't daydream. Well, we've been conditioned out of the superpower. So my goal is to bring it back. And it's not just about self-awareness. It's about creation. It's about access to, to inner wisdom. We've all had a dream where we feel like, oh, that must've really meant something. Like what the hell did that even mean? And that's what a seer is for. That's also what your shaman is for, to help you interpret these things. And I'm very passionate about it because when I was young, I had a lot of bad nightmares. Like I was afraid to sleep. <laughs> so I feel like in a way, you know, I was processing things that were difficult for me in my youth. Um, I became so afraid of dreaming that actually cannabis would help me quiet my mind at night. But then after a while, I realized, wait a minute, like I've been given a gift that I'm dreaming so much and I'm dreaming so aggressively that I have to face them now. So I learned everything there was to know about it. <laughs> you know, everything from ancient tradition to modern neuroscience, like anything that would help. And my courses now are like eight, 10 weeks long. Like <laughs> so, but but the truth is anyone can learn and it's actually pretty simple. I made a free PDF that I give everywhere. It's in my Facebook group and everywhere that I can send it. I'll send you a copy. It's cute yeah. too. It's got little stars. It's super cute. <laughs> I love that. That is all about just like five steps to help you start dreaming. And some of my clients start dreaming in days. You know, and some of them take a few weeks, but it never takes very long because very your long. subconscious mind wants to speak to you. This part of yourself wants to talk to you. And if you say yes and open the space for that conversation, it's amazing what can show up for you in that space. And it doesn't have to take long and it's not hard. And it's it's something that we should all leverage. It's You can literally do your healing work on yourself literally in your sleep. Like there's so much available in dreams that is truly remarkable. So it's become very much a passion of mind. And and when I started getting involved with plant medicines, I'm like, huh, these are visionary states. They need to be interpreted. You know, and I work with an amazing maestra, which is a title that it's not a title you play, right? It's the title of master teacher like Daita, right? Which is basically only given by another maestra Daita. Um, she did receive this title in the Amazon. Uh, she did not buy it. <laughs> she is amazing. Well, you know, I need a, <laughs> my, my master. Um, and even in the course of doing integration work, she'll say, yeah, you, you interpret that. You're really good at that part. But it becomes such a joyful thing because so much insight can come from, a, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? And a moving picture, so many more. So we have this opportunity to be told things. And if we can learn how to interpret it and Google is not the way. <laughs> that being told what your dream is is not really the best way to do it so my goal again is to empower so in my classes I don't teach you how to interpret dreams I teach you how to interpret dreams your way how to how to tap into that and a lot, a lot of times my clients will tell me about their dreams or their visions and I'll see them and uh, they'll ask me oh how'd you know about that random shadowy figure in the corner I didn't even mention that to you while I'm seeing it and I think this is just because of the work that I do, you know, but that's the job of seer, you know, to see your shit. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, you forget what these words really come down to, right? Um, I think it's amazing when we can learn how to do that for ourselves and we stop needing 
a leader, a seer, a psychic, a shaman. You know, we can start really accessing our own wisdom, but you know how I feel about that. I'm very passionate about that. We should all be able to access that ourselves. So my programs are all about teaching people how to do it for themselves. I don't need you to call me. I need you to figure it out yourself. <laughs> I had a client tell me, Kat, that's a really bad repeat business model. And I said, yeah, it really is, isn't it? But it justifies what I believe in. So, <laughs> so that's what I choose. <laughs> I love that. And I'm, I'm so excited to explore dreams a little bit more with you. And and I know that's one of the things that you're going to come talk to, um, in spirit school with, with my tribe. Um, and like, what's, I guess if people just right now want to start dreaming more and, or interpreting their dreams, what can they do to just like a little takeaway? Cause people are going to dream tonight. So yeah, just a little something. I know that this sounds probably really simple, but I like simple. Do not confuse um, or do not misalign simplicity and effectiveness, I can see, right? So um, simple is great. Truth is simple, you know, effective, simple. I like simple, I like easy. Um, a dream journal. And something really easy to do with your dream journal is a pen and paper. And then before you go to bed, you look at the thing and you say to the dream journal, you are my dream journal. I will write my dreams in you. And we're going to do that right now. And you put your dream journal down next to your bed and you close your eyes and you tell yourself, I will easily remember all of my dreams, which are helpful and good. I can always easily remember my dreams, which are helpful and good. I like helpful and good because who wants to remember a slew of nightmares that sucks? You know, we can get into that later when you learn how to like deal with that. But, uh, and there are ways to deal with nightmares. But, you know, telling yourself that you can dream, you can remember your dreams because you're already dreaming. Can remember your dreams. Lay up the cannabis and the alcohol. Um, and then as soon as you get up, write them down. No matter what comes to you, write them down. Um, because then your mind will get conditioned to this idea. And if it doesn't work right away, keep doing it. Eventually your subconscious mind says, oh, I guess this is what we're doing now. I guess I'll give you something to write. And it will. <laughs> and the the fastest way to learn to interpret a dream, because there's so many different kinds of dreams, ways to look at things. And um, yes, Google's a great resource. Yes, your friend next door is a great resource. However, the best way you can interpret a dream symbol is to ask yourself, how do I feel about this? What does this mean to me? Because everyone's impression of a symbol is going to be different. They don't just come from culture archetypes. They come from personal experiences. So to ask yourself, how do I feel? What does this mean to me? What does that feel like for me? And just look at each of the major symbols, but then also look at the big picture. And dreams are naturally weird. And they're trippy and strange, which is what's fun about them. <laughs> but this is also the way they contain so much contextual information. So uh, obviously, I'm very passionate about it, but I'm very much looking forward to sharing it with you because it is magic we all have access to right now. And most people will tell me, well, I don't dream. And I ask them the same question. Didn't you dream when you were a kid? And they all say to me, yeah, yeah, I did. So you can and you do. And now you will remember. And it can be fun. And it ought to be. It should be fun. The dreams are weird. <laughs> so enjoy them. <laughs> okay. Good. That's mostly what my little PDF, how to start remembering your dreams. A lot of it has to do with like how to make an effective dream journal, the mantra, how to repeat the mantra to yourself, the best way to approach journaling, like how to, how to, and it's simple again, it's five steps. It's real simple. Mm, okay. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I've had some weird dreams lately and it's interesting to like, think about them and write them down and just like, look at it. Like, wow, my subconscious is doing some weird shit, but I can always, always kind of I can always kind of draw it back to, and maybe just to share something with you. And it was one eleven, as you were saying that, by the way, I love my repeating numbers. Um, I, I have dreams about, I guess like ghosts and houses sometimes like, 
like in my house that I grew up in, like here and there. And I just remember like going upstairs and being okay with that. There were spirits in the house and like that that's been a recurring dream for me for the past couple of years. So it's been kind of exciting to think about, I don't know, just kind of potentially being in that other realm and talking to spirits and being a lot of shadow work, shadow work. You've been doing a lot of shadow work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can tell it. Okay. So I have my own impression about what shadow work is. There's this pop culture idea that shadow work is like the nasty, ugly parts of yourself. But the way Carl Jung originally described it is the unseen repressed parts of yourself. So you know when you were like three years old and you were bumbling around the house and you were singing some song and your mom's like, shut up, kid, I don't want to hear it. You know, what your kid, what your mom really meant is I have a headache, please stop. What you heard as a small child was no one wants to hear my songs. So you never sang again, but deep inside you have a talent and a gift for song. That's also in your shadow, right? The unseen parts also include gifts, talents, passions, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just about the ugly parts. It's about the all repressed stuff. Dreams will bring that up. So the house and buildings and things and dreams always represent your mind. And the childhood house is the mind of your younger self, the part of you that was alive when you were a child. Um, the more open part of yourself and some ghosts, yes, they can sometimes represent like the other realms, but they also represent, uh, remember everything you see in a dream is yourself, everything. So the ghosts are also um, like specters of, of dead parts of yourself. So things that you have healed and yet still exist inside your psyche appear to you, but they appear to you in your childhood home because it's for you to remember that um, you're always safe. <laughs> you're always learning, you're always growing. And it's the mind that you came into the world and grew to develop. We learn most of what we learn when we're kids, that's it. Like culture, language, how we see the world, the way things are, social rules, all that happens when we're kids, so much information. Um, our belief system, our limitations, we learn all that when we're kids. So only occasionally do those change usually very intentionally as we get older. So we learned what's safe and what's safe, not safe. And what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. You know, what's useful, what's not useful. How to be and how not to be, right? <laughs> so um, when we are dreaming about a child at home, it's talking about the foundations of where your perspectives come from. The mind of someone who's learning how to be in the world and like what the world is about. And you're having these like, ghosts these images of things that have passed but they still have echoes for you in your life so you may want to look around at um first congratulate yourself for killing off the things that you don't need which is great and second a look around your life where your triggers may still be bringing up old experiences that you feel like you've moved past and it's time to fully purge and cleanse and release into the next image oh thank you for that Cool. And you know, there's probably other people out there too, who are seeing go or going into their spirit home. And I, it's not that I like see a physical thing. It's like the vacuum was upside down vacuuming, but on the handle. And I like knew it was an entity of some sort and like tackled it to save my dogs. But I was in my childhood home and I was like, I got this. You know, it's like, um, so that was like really memorable to me. And I was like, that felt different when I woke up. It wasn't just like a typical dream. It was like, that one was really felt, even though it was weird, <laughs> like the vacuum was upside down vacuuming. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's just wanted to share that and see if anything popped up, but a lot in there. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. So 
And I, I guess I'm just curious about your journey. Like what, what was life like before you discovered spirit or were you always tapped in as a kid? Like what, before the medicine path? And I guess, how did you get into that? So bring me back to like little cat. Back when I was still Catherine. <laughs> Catherine, yeah, bring me back to Catherine days. Yeah. Um, let's see. When I was young, my father's a Methodist. My mom's Presbyterian pseudo-Catholic. My family's from New Orleans. So we grew up with a solid appreciation for Catholicism and Voodoo. And that was very much part of our culture. So we would have, you know, you know, we would celebrate Christmas, but there would be black candles and like Yule Holly on the mantle. And we all knew what that was for, you know? So I did grow up with a little bit of, I think, a different perspective. And um my mother was also, though I don't think she would really admit it now, she definitely, or then she definitely admits it now, was a practicing witch. So often shared with us what was going on for her. There are witches in my family line. Um, so I was exposed to a lot of different things. Um, what my mother was practicing one could probably now effectively call like Wicca or modern paganism, um, kind of drawing from a lot of things. Um, and also traditional root work, you know, because we have that in our lineage, uh, which is great. So there actually reached a point for me. I, my father always encouraged me to learn different things. He was a tax accountant. <laughs> and surprisingly, everyone needs their taxes done. So we would have um, swamis in the office. And I remember something that impacted me very much when I was young. I must have been like 10, 12. And this... Um, this swami came in he was all dressed in his robes he just come from temple you know and that was his life and and he said to me um my father would i say Kat, catherine come in the office come meet this person and uh, i loved that about him and he the swami said to me religion is like chicken i'm like chicken pass that by me again right <laughs> and he said um it does not matter if you like it fried or broiled or baked or roasted it doesn't matter what matters is do you have chicken in your life do you have something that nourishes you and that was it. And I never forgot that. And uh, I was always encouraged to tradition hop. Um, my father would take me to the synagogue as fast as he would take me to the Catholic church. As soon as, you know, I found out that there was a Hindu temple near me, I started going to stuff at the Hindu temple, you know, anything I could get into. And then there was a period of my life where I actually was a full on proselytizing atheist. And um, that actually wasn't really true. I think a lot had happened in my life. And I thought, um, that religion or spirituality or spirit had abandoned me. So I was looking for higher meaning in science. I studied quantum mechanics in university. Um, yeah, I was very in, into it. My degree path was, was physics. And and uh, I had taken three years of calculus by the time I got out of high school. I was very into it. And I realized, though, that the more I learned, I had to be on the cusp of knowledge, right? What's the, what's the furthest closest to the void I can get? And uh, I realized that I was seeking higher meaning through science. I wanted math to be the language that described the universe. And the deeper I got into quantum physics, the more I realized these are these are not questions of math. These are questions of consciousness. And uh, I became re-obsessed. <laughs> um, it was always something involved that was in my life. You know, if it was yoga, then I would read all the sutra. You know, if it was herbalism, then I would dive into the Ayurvedic principles of spirituality and herbalism. You know, like whatever it was that was something beyond the five senses you know if it was learning how to hack the mind it became NLP and hypnosis and everything I could find you know to to educate myself and ex explore what was truly possible I started learning about 
um, when I got involved with the yoga, and I know I'm sure you know all about this, is um, learning about like, um, what do you call it now? The, my mind goes blank there. The siddhas and like the ability to like levitate and stuff like this that going on in, in the yoga traditions. And, well, how does that happen? You know, I want to know all about that. Like what's channel? Let me figure that out. Like these plant medicines, people have a connection. How can someone see into someone else's visions? How can I learn about that? You know, and through the dreaming, which I got involved in very young, um, at the point where I actually had to go to the actual library to look up stuff. <laughs> when we still had actual libraries before the internet. Uh, you know, it was a bad age. I was still, I was already getting into it. Um, that I, I knew that there was something more that we weren't being told. You know, I had to know more. And even in, in all traditions, there's some, there's hidden wisdom. And I, I wanted to figure out what that is. I had to figure it all out. Like even in, when you read the old Torah, Torah, like the Kabbalah, like the way they describe what prayer is supposed to feel like, it's to feel is not the word of sitting there reading your scriptures. It's the word of having a divine union with, with God. Like how, what is that? How can we do that? You know, and how can we modernize these practices? Ever since I was young, I was obsessed. So when I got in medicines, I had already been involved in herbalism. I was already really into plants. I was gardening. You know, I was just like wanted to talk about plants. And it's interesting the way back then it wasn't very common to hear the word ayahuasca. Like it wasn't something that people really knew much about. You know, there weren't documentaries about it, as I'm sure, you know. And somehow I had caught wind of it. I'm not sure how, probably just because I was involved in everything I could find to do with alternative stuff, energy work, whatever. And, uh, so I'd heard about it and I was looking online for a plant because I figured there's no way I can get myself to South America. I don't know how I'm gonna work that out. But um, so I was looking online for a plant and actually my girlfriend answered and she called me and she's like, hey, I hadn't heard from her for a while. So I answered, you know, I'm like, okay. So I answered and, and she's like, hey, have you ever heard of ayahuasca? I'm like, how do you always do that? I'm trying to find a plant like right now. I'm like on the internet, which they were hard to find, very expensive. And uh, she's like, I'll do you one better. You want to come to ceremony? And I'm like, sure, but also where can I get a plant? <laughs> I was still into it. I thought if I planted it, I could like talk to the plant, <laughs> which actually, yes, you can. Um, and that, that opened up like a whole new concept of what's available, the way that plant medicine practitioners interact with their craft with one another and with themselves is, is extraordinary. And it's all about visionary state. I'm like, oh my God, this is dreaming plus plus I'm in, you know? <laughs> so I'm all about it. And I feel like it really brought together all of my fascinations into one place. Mm. And now I think that that's my fixation on continuing to evolve in these practices is because that's my evolution. You know, it's my story. And and even when I got involved in Kambo, I'm very passionate about Kambo. I, I dreamed about it for a long time. I didn't know what it was. And I remember the first time I was asked about it, it was actually my Oscar ceremony. And someone asked me, hey, I have Kambo, do you want Kambo? And I'm like, that's the frog thing. And they're like, oh, you know about that. I'm like, no, I don't, but I'm not doing that. Because I knew that I would have to be with it alone. And for a long time, it followed me. Hey, do you want combo? Hey, do you want combo? You want to learn? No, 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 no. Do not, do not, do not. Do not want to do that in someone else, another ceremony I want. So finally, I was called and said, you know, we're doing combo. It's just combo. You want to come to the house and do combo? Yes, I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> and uh, it was such a cool experience because the practitioner had come from Brazil. It was Brazil. And so I'm trying to use my crappy Spanish to communicate with this person. I realized this was Portuguese. <laughs> which was already you know ridiculous and my um, Spanish is better now my Portuguese is still awful <laughs> and uh, uh, he looked at me and he said you have a good connection with this medicine I'm like you don't know that how would you know that I've never done this thing and he's but he just knew and I didn't understand any of that at the time and so he gave me the points he opened my gates and he gave me the medicine he looks at me and he says 
you have a very connected connection with this medicine. And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude, you don't know me. And you don't even know me. Like, you can't pronounce my name with me a lot. I had an extraordinary experience. And three days later, I was still puffy and tripping. And he, and by the way, Kemba was not hallucinogenic, but I was delicious. And um, I called him and I'm like, bro, what do I do? Like, I have to go back to work. Like, I can't like live like this, you know, I'm like puffy and trippy and like, what's happening? I can visions. And he says, oh, it's obvious. I'm like, what's obvious? He goes, go to the Amazon and train. I told you. I'm like, oh, I guess he did know something. Well, anyway, I, I did study and I did learn. And I did practice and I did practice and I, I love this medicine. And now when I look at people, I know exactly what they're going to experience. I know exactly how they're going to have their, I know if they're going to have visions. A lot of my participants do have vision. I think it's because I had visions, you know? So I learned so much about the interconnectedness through the medicines. But the truth is that's the interconnectedness with all of us. You know, if we are an extension of source of all that is, then we are all that is, which means we should, by nature, have access to all information, to all personalities. Everyone you see is also an extension of yourself. Every plant in the yard is also an extension of yourself. And we should be able to learn how to release the limitation of separation and really connect with how to know ourselves better through what's around us, through what's appearing. And I think the medicines really taught me that. And that's really what I was seeking. And that's why they came into my life. You know, what, what is the best way to understand the dream that is this reality and this life and how to change it the way I want to, how to become truly lucid in living. And I think the medicines really showed me that. And so that's why they came into my, my life. And, and also I love it. <laughs> you know, it's a great time. <laughs> and I think that my gift back to the medicines is my commitment to excellence in them. And then also to, to help bring them into the modern space with, with education, with safety, you know, with, with understanding everything I've learned about the modern Western psychology and transformation process, combining that with, with these ancient gifts that have been given to us through our human heritage. I think that that's what I get to give back to the medicines now, you know, and, and help them do their work here on earth. And, and maybe that was a bit of a derailment, but <laughs> I get very excited and I'm passionate. <laughs> That was perfect. Um, and I love that you're giving back to this line of work that's given you so much, that's given you the answers that you were seeking and yearning for, even as a little girl and you didn't know it yet. Um, and I love that you pulled away from religion or spirit or anything for a little while. And then you came back and it was just like, answer the call. Like we're here full force. And like, you got re curious about consciousness and it's cool because all of these things, dreaming, plant medicine, NLP, it's all exploring consciousness in different ways. And I think that's awesome. And I love that you have this. When we have a question, it's because we already know the answer. If we all already are connected to all things innately, you know, we all have inspirations. We all know things that there's no way that we should have known. We didn't read that somewhere, you know? When we can say the yes to that more often and be open to that, we all have psychic capacity, all of us. We all have looked down at the phone and knew that someone was right about to call us. Like we've all had those moments. How do we expand on that? Well, we can, we ought to. It's like a cheat code for life. You totally should, it's fucking fun. But, <laughs> but you know, if, if we have a question, it's because we actually already know the answer. And in the quest for seeking the answer, what you're really questing for is acknowledging the nature of questioning that that the answers have always been there and to allow yourself to receive those answers more and more fully. Mm. And I, that's what I love to share. That's what I found within myself is that listening to the answer 
has been a muscle that I've been working and knowing oh, which, yeah. which voice is talking to me and what I'm in listening to my intuition, listening to my higher self. There was a time where I was like a little bit stuck with, um, I was really, you know, clean for pure for a little while. And then I was kind of smoking a little bit of nicotine and cannabis and not listening to my higher self. And I was just doing it, um, almost like as a rebel, I don't know, there was something going on and I've broken that now I feel much better, but I wasn't listening to my higher self and I was watching myself not listen. And now that I'm listening again, I hear that voice is much louder, my intuition, my higher self, and I'm knowing how to navigate. So it's, for me, it's been a muscle that I've been learning to work. And yeah. I think that's how it comes online is like learning to listen and developing that strong, like, okay, that's my, that's my inner voice talking. Okay. Yeah. I had convinced myself that I was not intuitive. I thought that, you know, I was a scientist, I was an academic and I was not intuitive. I had bad luck. Like I was very sure of all of these things. And through some time and hammering it through my own thick skull, <laughs> I learned how to, just like you said, like relearn how to listen. I think that's why I enjoy sharing it so much because I know what it's like, <laughs> you know, to be in the dark of your own magnitude and not even realize how cool you really are. <laughs> and then realize like, wait a minute, I thought I was bad luck and not intuitive. Actually, I'm super lucky. I'm a master creator and I'm like mega psychic. Like anyone can do this. I can show you how I had to do it for myself. I can do it for anyone. You know what I mean? And we should all have that. We should totally have that. It's it's in our nature. That's it. I love that. You're so you're I love that. I almost want to quote that. You're in the darkness of your own magnitude. That's powerful. <laughs> because I think so many people live there. They don't know that they're intuitive. They don't know that they have all of these elements and directions and all of this, that whole light open to them. Yeah, so I think it's really exactly. beautiful to bring our whole conversation full circle is that. And um, I have a question about combo. So I did it for the first time in October and I did six points and um, I didn't purge. And did you not puke or did you not purge? Both. I was, I thought I was going to up and down and nothing. I, I was fasting and my intention was clear anything that's in the way of me doing Aya. So my intention was. So, combo for most people is a physical process. It's a physical detoxifier. It's a physical anti-cancer, whatever it's. And there's actually a lot of modern research out there about it now, which is great. Cool. You know, it's a physical boost for immune system. It's a physical cleanser. For me, my practice is also very emotional, energetic, and spiritual. So it is possible that an energetic purge and cleansing happened for you. It is possible that a mental clearing happened for you. You know, it is possible that if you look, if you broaden your perspective about what actually happened, it's rare, but every now and then I have clients too who don't puke, but they'll cry, they'll shake, they'll suddenly be clear of mind and like receive insights. And if you're open to seeing or like suddenly their aura is straight down, you know, you know, it, it'll it'll occur in other ways in your life too. Or sometimes someone, I had one client one time who told me that, well, I didn't purge and I didn't know what was going on, but I went back into my life and um, all of my crappy relationships like disappeared. It's like, great, you had a wonderful purge, you know? So it can extend far beyond the physical body. Okay, does that help? Definitely, yeah. And afterwards I was seeing um, like fractals, almost like on the periphery, I could see like almost holographic rainbow, like, and they were kind of shaky and like pointy um, 
almost like sacred geometry, I think, but I couldn't quite make it out, but it was totally, I was, and I did Sananga for the first time too, in this whole like little ceremony. So I think it was the combination of all of them that like, really, I felt like I was just warrior spirit. I was ready for grandmother and like, and I was starting to see these different little patterns and I don't consider myself a visionary person. I've never seen anything like that. So that was, I was like staring at somebody looking at them. And then all of a sudden over in the corner was like this little thing, this little hologram. And I was like, Whoa. So that was my experience. And I haven't really had to happens. Just acknowledge it all the time and remind yourself that you can help yourself reinduce that, that awareness. You know, you can't unsee what you have once seen. You remember what that shattered crystalline fractal looked like, you know, in some way. So acknowledge it just while you're driving your car or sitting at a stoplight and just hanging out. Or I do this when I'm waiting in the line of the grocery. Like I don't wait for anything. I'm always doing something, <laughs> which is great. So, you know, I'll be sitting there waiting at a doctor's office or something, just hanging out and I will defocus my eyes and reimagine. And I ask myself, what the visionary state is imagination. What would it be like if I could see that right now, what could I learn from that? And see if you can, in your mind's eye, superimpose your image on the reality that you're unfocusing on around you and see what happens. See if you can like realistic that state. Okay, cool. Totally will. Um, and I, I know we've been talking for quite a while now, so I, I guess, you know, we can just wrap up soon. I, we can talk about endless because I'm so curious about your path and everything that, you know, um, but I guess I have two questions. So the first one is what is one lesson or thing you would want to pass down to your younger self or to somebody on the spiritual path that you wish you knew maybe sooner that, you know, now. Your only limitations are the ones you impose on yourself. I was so sure about some truths of myself and I had to overcome those. You're not intuitive. You have bad luck. You're, you're not a creator. You're not going to amount to anything. I had heard the stories I was told. And we all do this. Your blocks, your limitations only exist if you acknowledge and, and honor them. And, uh, you're capable of so much more than you realize. If only you allow yourself to maybe experiment with believing that. And eventually, you know, faith is a decision to believe in something that may or may not be true. Eventually faith becomes obsolete. It just becomes a truth of your reality. And uh, that's my favorite part. When little moments of magic are so often acknowledged and the celebration of them so often drawn on that you realize that life can just be made of magic. The truth is actually there all around you, depending on what you want to see. Love that. That's why I love, like when it was one eleven, I was like, Hey, happy dance for alignment sauce. Yeah. Like that is like, I love living for that. So thank you. That's a wonderful answer. And I think that's really applicable to so many out there who think that they're not spiritual or intuitive or whatever it might be. So thank you. And um, my last question is, so this podcast is called Talking Each Other Home. Love it. What is home for you? It's a good one. I think I've traveled a lot. When I was young, I never felt at home. Even when I would be in my house, I remember I would tell my mother, I want to go home. I want to go home. And she would tell me, you are at home. 
my family's from New Orleans, but I grew up in Florida. So it was always back and forth. I never really knew where home was in between two different cultures, you know, in between two different places in between, you know, I love to travel. So like, where's home? So like, where's home? I think home, home is the state of being where you feel most alive, where you feel most yourself. You can be, you know, on Mars or in your house and be miserable or elated. And I feel most at home, at home when I'm in the act of exploration, discovery, the excitement of pushing the limits. This is my home. And life will give you mysterious gifts. I always believed I lived sort of in between, but then I realized that's what a shaman does. I stand in the gateway, in the gateway between this reality and the next, on the bridge between awake and asleep. You know, in the, in the space in between spirit world and, and physical tangible world, you know, that I'm like, oh, I am at home in between spaces, the cusp of what is possible in this space of creation. So that is what is home for me. That's amazing. How do you answer that question? What's home for you? I love this question. Oh, so at first I was, you know, at first I would have said at home for me is spirit myself coming into myself. And then after ceremony in October, now I understand home for me is love to be loving, to be in love, to be love feels like home for me. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. So, and at that ceremony too, I was like, Oh, the whole thing was about love. I mean, like it was just love all over. Even the cup I brought with me said love on it, not knowing that's what I was going to walk out with. And I, I remember telling the person there that was facilitating, I was like, you know, I have a podcast called talking to each other home and nobody's ever asked me, but I had my answer prepared. And I would have said self spirit, you know, we're walking each other home. That's like Ram Dass's quote, but now we're talking each other home. And afterwards I said, I said, no, love is home for me. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I guess to close it out, like where can people find you? And I I'll put all the links in the show notes too, just so it's easy for people to click. Um, or if they can email you, like what's a good. Um, you can go to my hub cat hyphen rambo.com C A T hyphen Rambo, like the slow movie.com. If you look up cat Rambo online, you'll get like calicos with Gatling guns and Bowie knives. But <laughs> And actually, there is another Cat Rambo. She's a brilliant fantasy author. I love her. Um, but if you look up Cat Rambo Medicine Woman, <laughs> you'll find me. Uh, I do use the title to distinguish myself from her brilliance, um, since I will also be an author here as well soon. Uh, <laughs> then it is a, a good distinction. Um, there you can find all kinds of media. I love teaching, giving, and sharing. So there's TikTok, there's YouTube, there's a Facebook group. It's a private group where people go in there to share their experiences. I'm always in the group um, sharing. Uh, I actually love. I love speaking and I love video because I used to be very afraid of it. So I decided to create, I just can do it all the time and now I love it. So I'm constantly doing things like this, which I really appreciate you having me. Um, but you can find all of that uh, at my website uh, and also some information about some of the things that I do and what I'm up to and when my book's publishing and all kinds of fun stuff. Cat-rambo.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to put the link below and then people can get in contact with you there and maybe even join your Facebook group and just keep getting connected with you. I think you're a wonderful teacher and healer and shaman and facilitator. And just thank you for doing the work that you're doing in this world. It's 
feeding my curiosity and my excitement. It makes me help. It makes me feel like I'm not alone. And like, I'm not crazy for just all I want to do is think about stuff. Like we talked about today. It's like the only thing I really care about. So people like you inspire me that this path is real. This path is true. And it's, um, it's available to us. Yes, absolutely. And it ought to be. Well, thank you for coming Kat. I appreciate you. Thank you, sweet friend. I love what you're doing. As always, let me know how I can support you. Um, I'm going to be sharing all of this across my media and your projects too. So uh, I love collaboration. I love sharing. And thank you very much for creating the space for that message to be out there that yes, like you said, I just want to be thinking about these things all the time. And you're creating space for that. I think it's awesome. So thank you so much for letting me be part of it. And many blessings, prosperity and goodwill to you on that. Thank you. And everybody out there, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I appreciate your time and energy and support so, so, so very much. And um, we will see you on the next one. Peace. Awesome. Bye.